Welcome to our Future Impact podcasts, hosted by Bristol Business School and Bristol Law School at UE Bristol. During the series, we aim to bring you cutting edge research and talk to academics and practitioners about the real issues and future opportunities for businesses today. We'd love to hear what you think of the series and for you to comment on what we discuss. You can do that through our social media channels or by emailing fbl.news at uwe.ac.uk. Hi, my name is Rose Cooper Johnson. I work at the College of Business and Law at UE Bristol in stakeholder engagement. I'm here today with Catherine Davis and Tom Bowden-Green. Tom is an academic here at UE Bristol and Catherine is the managing director at Visit West. The two of them actually came along to one of our business breakfasts and spoke about building Bristol into your brand. And they've joined me here today to talk about a similar topic about how to build place into your brand and what a place having a brand means. Tom, do you want to introduce yourself for us? Hello. Yeah. So my name is Tom Bowden-Green. I'm a senior lecturer in marketing at uh, the Bristol Business School, and I tend to focus in my teaching and my research on understanding consumer behaviour, particularly understanding the psychological reaction to marketing content uh, among consumers. Thank you. And Catherine? Hi, my name's Catherine Davis. I'm the managing director of Visit West. Visit West has two roles. We deliver a number of business improvement districts in the Bristol area, but we're also an accredited local visitor economy partnership for the West of England, covering Bristol Bath, North Somerset, South Gloucestershire. I've worked in the destination management and marketing environment for 23 years, and I'm a board member of UK Inbound, Tourism Management Institute and Gloucestershire County Cricket Club. Great, thank you. To start off this conversation, Tom, would you like to tell us a little bit about what is a brand and also what does it mean for a place to have a brand? So um, a brand, you know, in its simplest form is really just it's just a name. It's a proper noun, I guess. And uh, the one of the prominent academics in this area is uh, Jean-Noël Capferer, and he talks about a brand as being a name that influences a buyer. And the same thing applies to places as well. If I if I said that I've been on holiday to Cape Town, you'd have all sorts of associations in your mind. Some of them are visual. Maybe you think about some of the activities I may have been doing when I went to Cape Town. And the, similar if I said I went to New York. So there are associations that link to the name that we give to the place that we are talking about. Uh, you know, with New York, it could be business focused. Maybe you think about sort of the financial districts and Wall Street and Mad Men and Madison Avenue. Maybe you think about the uh, the landmarks, things like the um, uh, Empire State Building and the uh, Statue of Liberty. Maybe think about the food and there's all sorts of things you might associate, but it, it really comes from the name and that's the key to it really. We tend to also describe brands or describe places especially in human characteristics. So uh, we tend to think about places as being exciting or energetic or uh, we tend to uh, basically give places a personality. And that's why we start to talk about brand personality quite often in academic circles. There's lots of papers talking about brand personality. 
and how that can be applied to places as well as lots of other brands. You know, you might describe Red Bull, for example, as being uh, an outgoing brand or an exciting brand, which is really a human characteristic that you're applying to an organisation. So uh, yeah, that's really what we're talking about when it comes to to brand. It's not the logo, it's not necessarily the colours, although they are all associated. It's the name and how that influences the customer we're trying to communicate with as marketers. Thanks so much, Tom. Catherine, kind of replying to that, speaking on Bristol specifically, what are some of the key things that make up uh, Bristol's brand or define Bristol's brand? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Bristol's brand is an interesting one because it is a series of kind of feelings. And, and we look at Bristol very emotively and in terms of its practical role and its heritage role and everything else. When we're looking at Bristol's brand characteristics in particular, I think it's making sure that we're keeping it rooted in authenticity. We see a number of place brands that claim to be something because they think it's the right thing to do. I think from a Bristol perspective, it's leaning into what happens in the city anyway. So previous studies that we've undertaken and research we've undertaken, we've looked at some of the, the characteristics that have come out. And I think it's fair to say they haven't changed massively over time, but it's which ones you kind of dial up. So when we're looking at words that we associate with Bristol, unorthodox is one that comes up time after time. And really that is about it's the way it operates itself. So it's lifestyle. You, you, you see people coming here for a particular type of lifestyle or a diversity of lifestyle. The fact that the city is fiercely independent is quite important in that. And that there's a diversity in terms of population in terms of people's origins the reasons that they're here and the way that we think and um i think the you know if you're looking for an embodiment of that unorthodoxy there's a banksy piece of street art on stokes croft called mild mild west and it's a picture of a teddy bear throwing a molotov cocktail at riot police and and you know it's always explained by the artists that you know bristolians are a bunch of teddy bears and until they're challenged with fairness and if they think something's not right then my god they're going to come at you and and i think that unorthodoxy is really part of the bristol character other words that are used innovative creative which are great and, and we look at music and engineering and and cinema and film and businesses like Ardman and and I and I think that's one of the good but I don't think they're specific or, or particularly unique. And I think Bristol, its sustainability, its greenness, the proximity to the green and blue spaces and, and that sense of well-being, which I think is is a really important part of of, of Bristol's brand identity. The last one, which hasn't come up, interestingly, in any of the research that we've done, but from my perspective, is disruptive. And I think that Bristol has this great history of rebellion and standing up for what is fair. And so that disruptiveness of the city and not being afraid to do things a little differently is very much part of the Bristol brand. It's interesting to hear those words. You're describing Bristol as being innovative and creative, which are also words that we might describe, you know, maybe Banksy as being actually, mm. uh, you know, individuals, in, humans tend to have those characteristics. So I guess, I mean, ultimately, 
these characteristics we're describing, they come from the humans that live here, I suppose. So together, we kind of give other people externally an impression, which is a human impression, but of a group of people uh, in, in a city. I think it's also interesting to look at which of those messages are, have actually been crafted, which, which of those are deliberate things that we've chosen. Probably very few, actually. Uh, you know, although we, we're quite well known for, uh, well, street art and uh, maybe some of the music that's come from Bristol and things like that, no one actually sat down you know, 30 years ago and said, oh, I know what we need to do. We need to create a band. We're going to call them Massive Attack. You know, it wasn't actually, you know, curated. It wasn't, they're not a sort of a manufactured band. These things kind of happen organically. And a lot of the messages around any city actually tend to be unintentional. They tend to be things that someone like yourself, Catherine, can't really manufacture and control. There's quite an influential um, academic on this, Nihalis Kavaratsis uh, in uh, Manchester, who talks about the fact that a lot of our communication around places, especially, is completely unintentional. We can't do anything about, we can't do much about the infrastructure and uh, you know, the buildings. They happen whether we decide to, to use them in our marketing or not, really. Yeah. And I think it's that authenticity. You have to have that authentic voice and, and you have to lean in to what makes you, you know, those unique values. And I think that's why I focus a little bit on the unorthodoxy, because I think that is what sets Bristol apart. And, you know, you can look at a lot of cities worldwide. People will talk about innovation. They will talk about their creativity, uh, music being one. And everyone's got their own particular hook on music. And a city's musical heritage will mean different things to different people as well. So it's very much open to interpretation. Where we work and the space in which we work, we focus in on what makes us different as opposed to what we think people want to hear. Because if you don't have that level of authenticity and that truth in voice, you get caught out very quickly. And we've seen this with festivals. I mean, it seems like every city in the UK has has some kind of street art paint festival now. And when we're telling our story, we're, we're telling it from the point of view of the artists, not necessarily this is what paintings are up here because street art generally is relatively temporary. I guess it's about amplifying aspects Mm. of the city that are already there. I mean, again, with street art, no one decided, uh, you know, years ago to to allow people to paint on the walls. I'm, I'm sure it's still illegal, actually. So, you know, there has been a decision to sort of amplify that particular aspect of Bristol and promote that. Um, because I guess it represents some values that we, we're proud of. Yeah, and I think it's it's not, it's the artists and the art that they're creating and, and, you know, some of it's political statement. But certainly, you know, the reason Bristol became famous is because they took a vote that, you know, Banksy produced the well-hung lover on the side of a sexual health clinic, which is a, basically, it, it, it's a man not wearing anything out of the window while a woman and one would assume her husband or partner looks out and it's directly opposite city hall and there was this whole point about it being a challenge you know it's like a really in-your-face challenge and it went to vote to the people of Bristol and and like overwhelmingly everyone went do not paint over this keep it and that's really a kind of tipping point of embracing street art I think having that sense of streets being this culturally rich part of the city where you've got this outdoor gallery it's very Bristol and it's democratic and bringing beautiful pieces of art onto streets. 
That's really great. Thank you both for that. We're going to pivot now and going back to Tom, if you could explain a little bit about what it means for a brand to integrate the brand of the place that they're in to their own brand, kind of talk about some of the pros and cons to associating your company, for example, with um, the brand of the place that it exists in. So uh, I think inevitably uh, a, a brand that's situated in a particular place is going to be affected or the perceptions of that brand are going to be affected by the place that they happen to be based in, uh, particularly if they communicate that. And some brands choose not to openly uh, situate themselves in a particular place. I think it's important to choose a place that you want to be associated with your brand if you feel that that's important for the creation of your particular brand. and. I think it's also important to recognise that you can't really control all of the aspects of the place that you choose to situate yourself in. So uh, Catherine was talking about you know, some of the perceptions of Bristol and some of those can't really be easily manipulated. We, you know, As much as you might want to, I don't know, create a website to promote Bristol or use social media to promote Bristol, and there are certain aspects of the brand that, that can be intentionally communicated. You know, you can, you can choose particular pictures, for example, of the city uh, in order to give a particular perception. There are lots of things actually under the surface that a marketer can't really do much about. So a lot of the things that we're not in control of are actually still pretty good in, in the case of Bristol, which you might not say about every city in the UK or beyond. But I think yeah, brands just need to be aware that their perceptions are going to be affected by this place that they situate themselves in and sort of build that into whatever other messages they want to communicate about themselves. That's great. Thank you, Tom. Catherine, from a kind of Bristol-based perspective, what do you think are some of the things that local brands could maybe take from that and use to the benefit of their business? So looking at how businesses use the Bristol identity and, and how it can enhance their own image. I mean, we've seen local brands and particularly um, international brands that want a bit of local identity, particularly leaning in, into the creativity that you see in Bristol and it, Bristol's own particular type of creativity. What we've seen, and, and I think those successful businesses, not the homegrown ones, because they kind of grow organically within the city with that sense of place and that authenticity. But it's more when you see someone come in and establish themselves here it's how they take the narrative of the city and and wrap it around their own brand rather than the opposite so the city is the community in which they work and that community becomes part of the brand in which they operate because it's very easy to get it very wrong as well one example we have there's a hotel in bristol the mccure grand hotel it's beautiful heritage building has been around for many many years and when they had an investment in the interiors and the bedrooms and the public spaces, they lent very much into the street art and the creative and the quirkiness of Bristol and that slight sense of unorthodoxy that you can have a beautiful heritage building that, that, that's really interesting and creative on the inside. And I, I think that's a really good example. I think taking that sense of unorthodoxy and not being afraid to lean into it, I think that's where we see success. And I think it works two ways, because if a business wants to as a lean into that Bristol brand, providing they do it well and they're authentic and they tell the right stories in the right way, then it works. You have the other side 
where you have brands who want to associate themselves with Bristol and get it wrong. And it's that business who is affected, not the destination or the city. There'll be a, a claim to something that's not quite right or they lean in a little bit too much and it gets a little bit silly uh, and it becomes wacky, not quirky. And, and that doesn't quite land well. There's a quite a fine line sometimes between that in the narrative, but making sure that what we say and what we claim to do is, again, it's that it comes back to authenticity. But for the brands or the businesses that come here with their own brands, it's very much up to them which one they enable to sing and how much they want to associate themselves with the place. And as Tom said, they're not in control of that. And you see reputation evolve over time as well. And we've seen Bristol brand transform over the last 30 years or so. And inevitably, it will transform again. And neither Tom or myself or anyone else will be in control of how that happens. I imagine, Catherine, that the reasons why certain brands choose to associate themselves with Bristol are actually quite different. And there might be some, like you mentioned, the street art there. And there are some brands that want to be sort of integrated in a in a cultural way, maybe with certain aspects of Bristol's culture and others that are here because we've got two universities, for example, and lots of recent graduates. And you know, the reasons could be quite different for the companies to want to be seen to be in Bristol, um, not always because of Banksy or not always because of, I don't know, something something that might be obvious to you and I. There might be other reasons. I mean, like, for example, um, aerospace could be another reason why some companies choose to to be here and to be visibly here as well because uh, you know of the history with the aerospace industry which could be completely different from street art so there must be must be quite difficult to create a brand um you know in your role that represents all those different aspects of bristol to all the different external audiences i completely agree with you we would really struggle with telling bristol's story pre-internet and it's frightening to think the first Visit Bristol website didn't launch until July 2000. Before that, it was really difficult to tell the story of Bristol because you have lots of different filters that take those brands off. There's the professional side. You talk about aerospace and the heritage, and that links back into that innovation and un unorthodoxy. Sometimes it's just very practical for businesses to be here because of access to airports and workforce and academic and so it's the infrastructure that will, will generally bring things in when people or when businesses are coming here for multiple reasons that's where the authenticity lies it's when it focuses on a specific factor sometimes it doesn't quite land right and we've you know we've seen lots of corporates come in and go let's sponsor some street art and that will go up and and it just cut it's a bit cheesy and I think that's what, you know, the reason for using the hotel version was because it's it's interesting that it's an interior, not an external, like an external visual. But innovation does attract people. And, you know, Bristol regularly tops the best places to live and work in, in the UK because its proximity to water, I think, you know, in, in terms of sense of well-being, it has a great cultural environment, you know, practical stuff. And there are people who live here and who want to be here that then attracts other talent and if you're if you've got a business that's rooted in somewhere where people want to be it becomes easier to attract talent and Bristol's reputation 
as a great place, as an innovative place, as a little bit rebellious, brings that audience with it. And if you know that you're going to get a workforce that fits your business, then then you lean into that brand. I do think it's important as well for brands to think about what aspect of the place they want to amplify as well, because you know, just just because you happen to be based in a city centre and you're a you know finance firm or a you know some, something that's totally unconnected with culture, just because you're in the middle of Bristol doesn't mean you should then be seen to invest in culture and sort of throw money at festivals or carnivals or whatever it might be. I think you need to be you need to be true to to the brand that you are uh, and maybe choose aspects of the city or the place that you're in that actually truly align with with who you are because most people can see through the superficial uh, you know marketing messages let's say and the yeah. website and the social media they can see beyond that because uh, you know we we know people who work at that company or you know we have interactions with that company and we soon find out what they're actually like to deal with so i think you have to really embody the aspect of the place that fits with who you are and i don't think you know putting a picture of the suspension bridge on your website is really going to communicate much about who you are if it doesn't actually align with something to do with your your business. I mentioned earlier uh, Jean-Noël Capferrer. There's a quite a famous model that he designed called a brand prism. And it's basically like an iceberg. It basically shows that there are certain aspects of your brand which people see, which you know you can control to a certain extent. But beneath the surface, you need to make sure that the culture, uh, your personality, your brand personality is actually reflected throughout the people that represent your brand the way you run your company so for example you know if you want to be seen as a culturally embedded organization well for a start you should probably employ people from across the city uh, not just from one particular area that represents one particular culture so you know really if that's important to you and that's what you want to show people make sure that you're actually sort of living it holistically rather than just you know tagging it on superficially completely agree with what you said there and I think, you know, if you've got events and festivals and the Bloom Fiesta is a really good example, for everybody who posts pictures of it, invest in the thing. That's how you show authenticity is to directly support some of this activity that happens because there's a danger that everybody gets overexcited and, and you know, uses an event like the Bloom Fiesta to promote their brand but then fails to invest and 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 so it doesn't happen. And I think a really good example of this is, is where we see businesses wanting to relocate or people wanting to live in environments that are dynamic and are culturally rich and then complain about the noise that comes from the club next door. And <laughs> uh, and I, I think that's, you know, it's so frustrating, all the things that attract people and, and, and business to places but when it interferes, it's kind of like, oh, you know, it's a nuisance. So, again, it's keeping that authenticity. And as we said, you know, places will evolve and brands will evolve. But at the same time, it's it's not coming in and then trying to change a thing that made it attractive in the first place. Yeah. I guess also, to be fair, there are quite a few businesses who don't particularly need to communicate themselves externally beyond Bristol and therefore actually perhaps don't need to make a big a big thing yeah. about the fact they're in Bristol at all. It doesn't doesn't make any difference to their business at all. So, yeah, I wouldn't sort of, um, yeah, crowbar it into your brand. In fact, it's actually it's not particularly important to, to who you are. Bristol's got quite a strong sense of ethics and, you know, drives a sense of fairness or, or um, aspires to drive a sense of fairness. Do you think that that particularly attracts businesses who want to portray themselves as being ethical or sustainable? Would that be a bigger hook 
particularly now we find ourselves in a place where maybe consumers are needing that a little bit more than they would have done. I imagine, I mean, it goes back to choosing the place that you want your business to be Mm. situated in. And I I guess if you were setting out to establish an ethical brand, Bristol would be one of the places you might choose to situate yourselves in. I imagine there are probably other cities in the in the UK. I probably shouldn't name them, but um, you know, <laughs> you know, Brighton, for example, might be somewhere yeah. where I would imagine people have similar outlook to Bristol. Uh, yeah, there's probably others as well, but there are some cities, and again, I won't name those that probably don't have that. But there are some cities where that could be anywhere really. Uh, mm. And if I blindfolded you and put you in that city, you wouldn't know where you were because they all look quite similar. And they certainly are not particularly known for being ethical. So I wouldn't necessarily say that by coming to Bristol, you are seen as being ethical. It's kind of the other way around. If you want to be seen, you want to be known for being an ethical brand, then you probably ought to choose a place where other ethical brands are, I suppose, where there's already Mm. a bit of a reputation for being ethical in that particular place. And Bristol is definitely one of those, just from my own perspective. Actually, it's worth saying just on that topic, we do have at the university quite a lot of businesses that are small businesses starting out. We have an enterprise uh, zone uh, next to the business school actually a launch space where businesses are starting and there are certainly some similarities in some of those businesses there are quite a lot of technology businesses actually based in there so uh, that might be another another thing that, that might affect choice of city you know if you, if you are a business that's um, developing a piece of technology particularly robotics were quite well known for in, in bristol now as well becoming well known for but like aerospace it's becoming a another area that we've become associated with So there are some new themes emerging that Bristol might become known for in the years to come. They did talk about not being able to plan all of your branding. Actually, some of that probably is quite quite well (laughs) planned, actually, because the university has decided to invest in in robotics, I imagine. uh, And therefore, um, you know, that's that's become something we're becoming known for. There are other businesses that we may attract to the city because the city brand is becoming associated with those particular industries. And I think there's also a strong sense of collaboration, which is why so many of those startups are successful, because people aren't afraid to talk to each other. They do see collaboration for the large part ahead of competition. And and you see that everything from the restaurant culture to hotel culture right through to some of the manufacturing. We work with a lot of breweries and the fact that the breweries all do collaborations together and help each other. It's that, again, that sense of community. And everybody wanting others to succeed, I think, is very much part of that brand Bristol. Yeah, it's a networking effect, isn't it? People Mm. are naturally attracted to be in a place where there are other people like them that they can network with. I sometimes talk to students, actually, about why people join a particular social network. And they join it because there are other people there that they can network with. And it is a bit of a chicken and egg. What comes first, you know, the network? Or the people that form the network but but yes i'm sure there are plenty of businesses that choose to come here because there are other businesses like them that they can network with uh, maybe they can supply as well and they can they can they can share resources there's a good documentary a few years ago with uh, evan davis looking at i think he called them networks of agglomeration but basically um, he was talking about the francis crick institute in london and how that was basically designed to bring lots of like-minded people together and you know, as soon as some people start to go there and start to do their research in that particular place, others will join because it's useful for them to be surrounded by people who are like-minded, that they can share ideas with, maybe they can merge businesses with in, you know, in, in years to come and apply each other and things like that. So yeah, that's probably why we do get clusters of like-minded people who are trying to achieve similar things. In terms of visitors, it probably makes it you know useful for visitors. Where if you want to come to a place and you enjoy drinking beer, then... <laughs> Come to places where there are, you know, I don't know how many breweries, you probably know better than me, but but several breweries that you can, you know, enjoy sampling while you're here for a week's holiday or something. So 
um, it probably helps to have certain things that we're known for because then it attracts certain certain people who have um, no particular interests. And it, that's what, again, leaning into that, it, it's the authenticity. You focus on what you've got and not try and create something from scratch. I was going to say disnified then, but that's not maybe not the right term. But that kind mm-hmm. of sense of artificial as, as opposed to authentic. And I, I think, as, as we've continually referred back to, I don't think Bristolians would stand for that, not even visitors. So I think that that's a really important point as well. Yeah. Actually, you mentioned Disney, and that just made me think of a, a in a completely different scale. But you know, if you enjoy theme parks, well, where's the place you're going to go in the world to if you enjoy theme mm. parks? Where are you going to go to Florida, probably? Because there are I don't know how many theme parks, loads of theme parks, all in one place. So again, it actually helps to be known for being you know associated with one particular you know type of holiday, because then you attract loads of people for the same reasons. Yeah, food and drink, I guess, is one reason why people come to Bristol, and it helps that we've got lots of food and drink. Uh, I mean, manufacturers in and around Bristol because then we attract you know, bigger groups of people. So, yeah. yeah, and it's it's having that range of experience. So you've got great places to eat and drink. You've got food tours. You can go and see, you know, you can go and see how things are made. You can go and make your own. It's the kind of halo effect of, of the experience. And this is a really good piece of, of place marketing and management. You can't just focus on we have one thing. And I think that's important about street art. It was only when where the wall started doing their amazing street art tours and then they they did the tours and then you can do the spray experience and then you can buy it's you you have these little ecosystems and talking about a brand the I think what Bristol does really really well is people finding opportunities and creating opportunities to share their love of their specialist interest with others and you know you've got things like yup that are experienced ticketers enable people to do it and sometimes it's not driven by by financial. It's just people just genuinely wanting to share their love for something. Uh, yeah. And I think that's very Bristol as well. Yeah. All right. Thanks both so much for your time. Just to wrap up, I wondered if you'd each be willing to share one key takeaway for a brand or an individual wanting to incorporate a place into their brand. So I would say... First of all, think about whether you actually need to build the place into your brand and whether you want to do that. Obviously, there are lots of benefits, particularly in somewhere like Bristol, in associating yourself with the place that you're situated in. But not every brand would need to do that. If you are going to associate yourself with a particular place and you want to be known for being in a particular place, then I would say just focus. Uh, you know, don't try to spread yourself too thinly. Don't try to say that you are uh, embedded with all sorts of different aspects of culture and supporting all the different universities and you know everything you could possibly think of. Just focus on the bits of the place that actually fit, align with your business and focus on it demonstrating how that alignment is is true. and think holistically about how you can really embed that aspect of the place in in who you are so um, you know recruit people for example who actually really align with that particular message that you're trying to communicate don't just have it as a bit of an add-on oh and and by the way we support x y and z festivals but actually really show that that uh, culture or the aerospace industry or whatever aspect of the city it is that that you want to be known for really show that that is reflected in in who you are as an organization as people uh, and how you operate really and following on from that i think if you are going to lean into the place where you are and and reflect that place brand in in your own business it's making sure it's authentic it's making sure you've got it right and it's making sure that you understand the place and 
talk to people as opposed to kind of running off and doing something that may end up damaging your brand because it can be quite easy to get it wrong. So I think it's coming back to networks and understanding the place that you are, retaining that authenticity and looking at how your business can reflect those characteristics of of the city in which you end up. That's great. Thank you both so much for your time. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to be part of a future impact podcast or would like to comment on anything we've discussed, please do email us at fbl.news at uwe.ac.uk or search Bristol Business School or Bristol Law School on Twitter.